2: a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Owen Bartriff is from Florida. He's pretty well known in the spearfishing world. But he decided to step out of his comfort zone, essentially. And decided to become a bow hunter. Owen didn't just decide to become a bow hunter. He decided that his first bow hunt ever was going to be in Africa, in Zambia, for Spot and Stork Cape Buffalo. Yep. Pretty crazy. But when you get to understand who Owen is, that's just him. He's going to live life to the edge, essentially. And so that's why I wanted to have a conversation with this guy who said, never bow hunted before. Think it'll be pretty cool. Hey, I'm going to go to Africa and shoot a Cape Buffalo as my first bow hunt ever. So you stood me up last night,
1: All oh, right, man. You fell
2: asleep last night. This morning, I, we're going to have to dig into this. It was 5.30 a.m. my time. I had coordinated for 6.30 a.m. You told me via Instagram, I'm here. I'm like, well, good thing I'm up early. So, okay, let's do this thing. You come across and it's this dark night scene. I get a a random email saying I'm dropping my kids off. I'm thinking, well, who's dropping their kids off at 5.30 in the morning somewhere? Internet's not working in your area. Again, I'm like, these are just excuses after excuses after excuses. But... Third time's a charm. You're here six minutes early. I like it. German, in, you know, being early is on time, right? You have a clear picture. You can hear me. I can hear you. Owen Bartriff, oh my gosh. Welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast.
1: Robbie, thank you very much. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm technology challenged, to say the least. And So for me to even be able to get on, I, had, I sat here for almost 45 minutes in the same seat with my wife. Was able to put it all together for me. I didn't want to touch any buttons, so I just sat here for forty-five minutes.
2: <laughs> you should have texted me saying I'm on early. Let's go.
1: Uh, I don't want to mess up it. I, I just want to just the simple things.
2: So, and you're wearing, you know, one of my favorite individuals uh, in Africa, Russell De La Harp's swag.
1: Oh yeah, shirt and a hat.
2: I'm representing my man. My man. He's the, he's he's a stud backcountry hunting uh, backcountry africa if you have never heard of backcountry africa check him out online russell Harpe is a young gun in africa one of the new breeds and he's all about spot and stalk archery hunting in africa
1: yes he is uh, i've had the, the 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 pleasure of getting to hunt with him twice now and um and, and he's he's elevated my, from being just a, a novice to being given the opportunity to st- to hunt with someone with that much, that much talent, my, 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 uh, my ability, I mean, I say my ability, I've gotten the opportunity to be, to be taught by the best. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an exciting thing to, be, to say the least, you know? So you prefer OB or Owen? Well, OB Owen, uh, good friends have known me for years or they call me OB. Uh, you call me Owen. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay. That's how we're going to play. <laughs> yeah. You can't call me Robert, okay? Because the only person who calls me Robert is my mother when she's mad at me. So you oh, have yes, to great. call me Robert. Robbie.
1: I will not make that mistake.
2: So listen, I um, we we connected through a very good mutual friend, Trevor Bacon, who yes. um is uh he's a board member of Blood Origins and um said I needed to talk to you because here's the thing. Y- well, you just decided to become a bow hunter, right? I just started. Like literally just started, just started
1: <laughs> like
2: 18 months ago. Okay. So let's wind back the clock a little bit. Let's, yeah. let's get a little bit of context here because it's what I like, uh, born and raised a hunter. You know, the, the,
1: the thing about that is, is, uh, I, I, my, my parents, you know, did not hunt at all. I mean, 100% did not, but my grandparents on my dad's side were from Missouri. And they hunted a lot. I mean, that was part of their, their whole lifestyle was around hunting. When they were uh, 17 years old, they got married at 17 during the Depression. And they would go out every night and hunt uh, rabbits. And what, what it was, they would uh, shoot rabbits to feed themselves, but also to send to Chicago. They got 10 cents a rabbit. A shell cost, a 22 shell cost two cents. So you had an eight cent margin. And they would, that's what they did every single night. And so they always were hunters and and. And so I used to go there every single summer and hang out with them. And we'd hunt a little bit, but not really a lot. And then so when I... So why
2: did your dad grow up not a hunter if your grandfather was a huge hunter?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> My dad was uh, just wasn't, wasn't who he was about. Just wasn't him. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't him.
2: Which and is fine, I, right? I mean, it's not like you want to press someone to become a hunter. It's no, almost like all. it's something that's in you or not.
1: Yeah, and my grandmother, she at seventy two years old, shot the two biggest turkeys in Phelps County, Missouri, at seventy (laughs) two. So she was, you know, she was, you know, her maiden name was Owen, and that's who I was named after. And so, um, awesome. So, so I've always had it in my system, but being from Florida, where I lived on the coast, we just, I just never had opportunity, and so I gravitated toward fishing. Mm -hmm. And so that was pretty much what I did for the last. 40 years has been a hardcore spear fisherman
2: ah now it comes to surface how bacon and you know each other exactly
1: that's how i i, I met trevor through a uh, some uh, mutual friend charlie out of Bahamas okay and, um and we just kind of you know funny thing is we knew each about uh, each other for years and never never met each other and then it took a uh, it took almost like five years before we finally met and uh, we, we hit it off pretty well
2: so was it was it the introduction to bow hunting through Trevor from spearfishing? Because essentially you're a, you're a hunter underwater, right? And you've been a hunter underwater for thirty years. For thirty years
1: at least, and you know, I think what was was, was Trevor and my buddy Charlie, they all bow hunted, and you know, I was, was never really you know, n- never did it before, you know, and also they the uh, well, you had
2: another hobby, you yeah, other, exactly,
1: and I it, it fulfilled my really fulfilled me in a lot of ways, but um. They opened my eyes to a whole new, 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 uh, new activity, I like to say it this way. And I, it was fulfilling to me because I was kind of getting burned out on spearfishing. And it, all of a sudden, I found this whole new world. And it, I I got I hooked, I hooked hard, you know, mm-hmm. to say the Did least. Did you
2: have a – let me ask this. Obviously, being with your grandparents, hunting a little bit in the summer, your dad didn't hunt. Had you formed and – and you spearfished. And and this answer could be you know all over the show, but did you have a perspective of what hunting was, or the and and all the people that hunted? Not not even close.
1: I mean, you know, I was. I, I know it's a big thing. I mean, you know, if you go through the uh, you know through the different like Missouri, Kentucky, Ohio, Mississippi. I mean, these this, this Texas, it's such a big culture, and they mm-hmm. didn't realize what a big culture it was. I was in the spearfishing culture and it's, it's very small. You pretty much know everybody who's, who's, who's somebody, you pretty much know them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a whole different world. And so I'm very naive to the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, I'm still learning. I've, I've, I've had just amazing opportunities in such a short period of time to hunt with some of the best hunters in the world. And they've taught me so much. But when I was spearfishing, I, I, I was very, always trying to figure it out for myself and I, and I, and I learned real quickly that that's not the way to go, especially with people who've hunted all their lives, the opportunity to meet these people and to show you what they know me mm-hmm. is elevates you so much quicker to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's been good for me cause I have a new passion. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. saying awesome passion. I'm like, uh, you probably heard the, the, uh, from, uh, Trevor. I, I mean, when I first started learning how to, uh, to uh, um, to, um um, To hunt i think within the first four months i went to africa
2: yeah so that's so so let's let's i want to pick that apart a little bit so you decided to pick up a bow you started shooting the bow Mm -hmm. instead of going and sitting in a white tail deer stand and taking out a doe or a pig in florida right Mm -hmm. you went to africa yeah you didn't just go to south africa
1: We went spot and in in in, 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 in Zambia.
2: (laughs) You went spot and stalk bow hunting in Zambia for Cape Buffalo, for Cape Buffalo on your first bow hunting expedition
1: ever. Yes, and so, so I I would love to tell you that was uh, you know uh, you know stealthy and Robin Hood and the whole nine yards, but you know I was I was not. I mean, it was like I was definitely green. But again, someone like But Russell did you Clark. have an
2: idea of what you were getting yourself into? Not, 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 none.
1: <laughs> I didn't know about it until I was sitting there 20 yards from a Cape Buffalo and uh, my guide saying, whatever you do, don't move. <laughs> That's when like, the gravity of the whole situation took over. And, you know, I'm serious enough to know that it was not a joke and uh, not to be taken as a joke. It's, it's, you know, you could be killed. Easily, oh for sure. um, And you don't do
2: your job killing him; he's going to do his job killing you.
1: Exactly, and it was it was intense, extremely intense. And uh, and, you know, I love that 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 adrenaline rush and the 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 whole stalk. You know, seeing these animals, and it took us. You know, we took a whole day. I mean, we 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 stalked this animal for an entire day. You get close and you get away. Get close, get away. And everything has to work out perfectly. And, and mm-hmm. knowing, being in, in, involved with the things I've been involved with all my life, I, it's such a, the ultimate chess match. And, um, and it's, it's I don't know, it's hard to explain um, the thrill of it. I used to play, I think i told you this before, I was team captain of the University of Florida football team back in the day. And, you know, when you walk out on that field and 80,000 people Cheering, and you, and you were like on cloud nine. You're pumped out of your mind. You're like, you know, you're ready to to, to be a gladiator in, in, in the big scene. You know, the big, uh, the big arena. Mm-hmm. That I've never had a pump like that ever until I was with that K Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That 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 intensity. That 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 just everything was my every fiber in my brain was focused on that animal and mm-hmm. being stealthy and trying to sneak up on that animal. You know, it's, you know, it's a life and death situation. It's, um, it's, it, it it just brought back a piece of my history that I could, I thought I'd never see again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that, that was, it, it was exciting for me. Let's put it that what way. What did
2: you, did, I, I asked you a question, whether you had a perspective on hunting before you became a hunter, what was your perspective of Africa before you went to Africa? What did, what did you think you were getting yourself into?
1: You know, it's a good question. Um, I, I had been to Africa to spearfish, but I've never been on the you know. The, and the where continent. did you spearfish? We uh, Zanzibar. We flew out to some yeah, 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 yeah. Bank for the doggy, the big doggies. Um, so I, you know, I, I I had a little taste of Africa, but I never have been to the central part of the Africa it was on the island on the outside, and so I didn't know. I, I you know, to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was a uh, a lot of it was based off of. Um, um, other people's information. And, um, you know, Trevor being there before uh, and, and telling me a little bit about wh- what to expect, but you don't really know until you're actually there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, you know, you met the people, and I, I really lo- love meeting the people when I go to these, even when I spear fish, I spear fished all around the world. And I, I enjoy so much this fishing, but I also enjoy just meeting people and the mm-hmm. cultures and, the, and their mindsets, and they just, you know, uh, interacting with different people from around the world that to me was fun. that a
2: part of that that was a part of the hunt that was very important to you. oh important because i you know you met you meet the trackers
1: and you meet the you know that the guides i mean the trackers to be honest with you is probably the most phenomenal thing i've ever seen in my life i mean to watch these guys track animals it's how just, fast they do it oh it's just mind-bending and and how they see the blood, they see how the, the footprint is this way. And you know, it's just they see like fifty footprints and they know which one the animal is going through all this stuff. I'm
2: just like, mm-hmm. it's mind-bending to see how good these guys are. And it's almost like they see a different surface than you do, right? <laughs> it's Amazing. like it's a 3D puzzle to them. Like, you know, you see those 3D things that you're mm-hmm. like, you try and you, you squint your eyes and this thing pops out of the, the, the page. Yeah. That's what they see. No,
1: that's just that to me was probably one of the coolest things i've ever seen you know and me not being the best shot in the world either because you know i, I you, know, you ethically you want to do the best shot you possibly can i do that and with every animal that i shot it was very important to me to see where i hit the animal where i could have done it better because i understand that you know you don't want to see an animal suffer and but at the same time you know you 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 try to hone your skill and just starting from three months before you know mm-hmm. you're shooting mm-hmm. a bow you know, mm-hmm. to go from that to okay, what did I do wrong? How can I make myself better? Uh, that comes back from my football days. You know, I've always always trying to improve myself, and uh, mm-hmm.
2: um, so the, uh, the what did you learn when you were in Africa in terms of the model? Like there was a the, the model of conservation, right? The model of wildlife. You walked in areas that had wildlife. Oh. It, why is there wildlife running around the place that you went to hunt? One hundred percent on
1: is one hundred percent hunting. Hunting is the reason why there's wildlife there. If it wasn't for uh, the hunting, there would be no anti-poaching groups. There would be no money for the group, the, uh, the villages. It, it, it's It's obvious when you go over there, why everything is set up the way it is. And you know, and I never do any of this. I was, I'm naive. I was just told totally yeah, sure. I went there for the hunt, but I learned so much and it really, uh, really opened my eyes. I just read a book by Jack Carr. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read, read, any of his books. And I think it's the second novel and I can't, I apologize. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it talked a lot about Africa and hunting and the people yeah,
2: and mo- Northern Mozambique.
1: Yeah. It was just, mm-hmm. it, it was so spot on about why they do what they do. And and you realize uh, if there wasn't anti-poaching groups out there trying to protect these animals, they would be slaughtered to to to, to oblivion. There's you know, the people don't understand that is that these people are out there just ravaging the places with 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 uh, snares, uh, you know, with these crude instruments to kill things. And, you know, they're all they're using is for the meat. And I knew I, I don't want to get into politics, but you know, there's a lot of Chinese companies over there. That's how they feed them. You know, people don't understand this. What's going on out there? And you know, it's a lot more to it than just simple, you know, game hunting or you know, trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. It's a whole industry on, on multiple levels.
2: So, and what uh, would you say to someone who said, "Oh, and you just went there because you're a trophy hunter"?
1: What would I say? Um, Were you? Are you? I would definitely argue. There's no doubt about that. You know, I think that uh, if would you, you consider
2: see, yourself a trophy hunter?
1: Me? I would. I would would I consider myself a trophy hunter? I think I'm an experience hunter. I like to do the experience. Um, I, I like the, you know, it's just not the, when I go fishing, it's not just the fish I shoot. It's the people I meet. It's the groups I go with and interact with. It's the locals that I deal with. Like when we fish, we shoot a lot of fish. We give all of it to the village or to the local fishermen and they take it and they use it for whatever they can use it for. We're just taking just a, inkling of what's out there but you know we we try to provide you know we don't try to we try to help the economy while we're there we try to buy things from the locals you know it's 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 um you know if you don't i don't know why would help me on this one um
2: you can understand why someone who doesn't understand hunting looks at someone like you mm -hmm. and says you just went to africa for the first time with a bow Mm -hmm. And all you want to do is shoot big things, and so you're just after the trophy. You just after that thing to go put in your Florida home and stick on the wall.
1: Well, again, you know, and again, me being naive to the whole situation, you I know, mean, knowing as much as they say, someone who's been the seasoned hunter for years, you know, I, I would have to disagree. I mean, I just, I, I. I
2: That's a fair statement. That's a fair statement because it was your first time. Like you didn't even—I guess you didn't even know the the, there was such a term as a trophy hunter.
1: I didn't know there was like I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I was going over there to go hunt. I know, like no different from hunting uh, for deer and whitetail and in uh, in the states, turkey in the states. I look at a lot. You know, thing is now that I started getting into hunting, I look at the statistics. Like back in the 1900s. But where there was in Kentucky where there was uh there was almost no game left they've almost hunted it to extinction but now with we you know with uh, with conservation there's more deer and turkey and uh mm-hmm. and game in, in Kentucky than it, than there hasn't been in the last hundred years
0: mm-hmm.
1: I also look at this because I've fished so much and so I do know this is that in the states we have a lot of fishing regulations, a lot of protocols. You can fish, but you have to conserve. You can only take so many red snapper, let's say, in during time of the year. There's more red snapper you can shake a stick at anymore. Same sure. with grouper. They put a grouper on, on, on management. Hogfish has been on management. The reason is because there's a great fishery, and I've gone to other countries where there's absolutely nothing left. They've been fished completely out because they have zero regulations. Mm-hmm. Have good quality regulations manage it correctly, and you have plenty of game and plenty of fish for mm-hmm. everywhere.
2: Yeah. A lot I mean, of people will, will actually say to us, uh, they'll argue with us and say, when we say, you know, there's a phrase that is hunting is conservation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And people will say, no, it's not. Actually, it's not. It's hunting regulations or conservation. And that is true to a point, mm-hmm. but you have to have an action for a regulation to occur. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't occur in the absence of the action, i.e. you don't have regulations just because mm-hmm. you have to have an action like hunting. Okay, put, put some regulations, some policies, some protocols in place, just like fishing, because we want to see the resource increase or we want to see the resource decrease or whatever it is. That's what the target of the regulations do. They assign a purpose for a specific resource and they aim the regulations in that direction.
1: Mm-hmm. well the thing too I, I think with most countries that have the most difficult time with the states we have better regulation better enforcement
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I know that in other countries there's less enforcement because I know a, a friend of a friend of a friend his brother lives in Africa and one of the things he's trying to do is have more transparency on how the whole the situation works because you know like you pay a hundred a fee are the uh ph of fee and the, the professional hunter and that money will go to the concession and, and that concession gets has to give money to the village well there's a lot of times there's not as much transparency of how that money kind of interacts with each other and right. one of the things that happens is local governments they got greedy hands and next they, right. they, they take the money and then the village doesn't really get the money right and that's one of the things he works for the united nations is to help make sure there's transparency in the entire operation of what's going on over there. Same well, we, we need actually,
2: that from a hunting perspective because we get we get that labeled against us all the time. Which is, the money never reaches the people on the ground. Mm-hmm. The money never reaches because of corruption in Africa specifically. Yes. Okay, and yeah, I would welcome that, like transparency and just saying, hey, here here are books, open book. Here's where the money is. This is how much comes in. This is how much money goes out. The problem is once it goes out, like you just pointed out, it's almost out of your hands as Mm -hmm. from a hunting outfit perspective. Like you've given your 75%. Now it's up to the local government to fulfill their end of the deal.
1: Yes. You know? Well, I learned also too. It's like, you know, I know that they tried to make partnerships. Uh, I know Russell's, you know, with like the local villages on the outskirts of some of their properties, they tried to make you know partnerships with these guys. They helped them with water help them with schools. They help them with education. They help them with getting their their people jobs, and so you know it's a great way that they can work back and forth with each other. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, there's no perfect relationship, and uh, but I do know there's a lot of people over there trying like hell to make it work. And mm-hmm. I think you see success stories, and it's, and it's nice to see, and it's nice to have groups or organizations like yourself that actually get the statistics out to people for they can you know you have good information versus. Oh, it's the most worst thing in the world! Oh, you took the you killed the last rhino, or you killed the last elephant, you know. But you didn't, you know. I I heard the stories of well, they have they have too many elephants in a situ- certain situation, and the elephants are running around stamping, you know, eating up all the crops, destroying everything. Well, the village needs to be able to feed itself. Mm-hmm. They have one, you know, bad elephant. So, what do you shoot the elephant? and get nothing for it, or you give, you know, you sell the elephant to a hunter who will take the elephant out ethically. Everybody wins. We got meat. We have um, the, the the villages are not getting their crops destroyed anymore. And then there's actually some some financial windfall for everybody there. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're yeah. going to kill the elephant either way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: They're going to. I mean, you know, the the villagers are. You know, that's, so. There's there's it's a good system to be put in place.
2: Yeah, and, and you, look, it's not the it's not the end of the it's not the silver bullet system because there are places ecotourism works. Better yes. than hunting, there's places that hunting and ecotourism work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But places like where you were in Zambia, mm-hmm. no ecotourist wants to go there. It takes forever to get there. Yeah. It's malaria ridden. It's not fancy. It's tough. It's hot. There's no AC. Maybe, you know, all Russell is almost like your, your AC fanner, right? <laughs> right. Uh,
1: I do learn one thing about Zimbabwe uh, there's no such a, there's no, no plant that doesn't have a thorn on it I know that
2: <laughs> yeah so it's tough you know the, the places that hunters want to go yes is places that your typical ecotourist does not want to go yeah and the other thing is here's the other crux of the matter is that when you go as an ecotourist you want to see animals. You want to see animals. That's why you go. You only go for two or three days. You want to see animals. You want to see lots of animals, high density of animals. Well, typically where you're hunting, animals are present, but they're not conducive for v- viewing. Essentially, yeah. you know, they're at low densities. They're not mm-hmm. habituated to vehicles. Yes, it's just not the place for you to sit, turn your vehicle off, take photographs, that kind of stuff.
1: No, nah, I would, I would definitely agree with you on that. It's um, you know, you can see an animal here and there, but to really see them. I mean, like you're talking about the mass numbers, it's, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's like, it's the, not every place is going to be Disney world, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, where it's all just spread out for you. It's real mm-hmm. nice. You know, you have a lot of the areas where there's not that type of uh, situation where it would, it would be basically property is worthless, mm-hmm. um, you know? I don't know if it's even, a lot of it's not even farmable. I mean, mm-hmm. I know a lot of places, you know, that, that especially with a lot of water shortages right now. Um, that you know, some of these places, um, that they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to sustain anything. And I know, like this, yes, they know with certain droughts that are going on right now, w- what do you do with these animals that are all dying
2: off? Right. Of, you know, you know, no, no food and also too no water. Um, well, that's just Mother Nature doing her. You know, it's it's part of the cycle, unfortunately. Um yeah. But you want to sustain the wildlife as best as you can. Yes, for sure. But
1: like I say, it's been a, um, you know, I I loved it so much. Uh, After three months of hunting, I went to Zambia and my first hunt was there. And so I went back to Zimbabwe with under a year and I went back hunted again with Russell. And uh, so I just signed up for another trip to Botswana. (laughs) So, Are you going this year? I'm going to Botswana this year. Oh my gosh, dude, you're crazy. So, and maybe Uganda in February. uh, You're
2: just in love with Africa, huh?
1: I, 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 the funny thing is, you know, I got into spearfishing. I didn't spearfish in Florida. I spearfished in Costa Rica. I just kept on going. I went like eight times in one year. I got, I got, I got so hooked on it and I'm kind of like the same way. I've got hooked on this. I've just, I love Africa. It just, it's just so gorgeous and the different types of animals and the, and the people are so friendly and nice. And I like being Big the
2: skies and the smells. Oh my goodness.
1: And the BFE, being BFE. I love it. You know, right. just, just walking around out there and, uh, you know, so it, it's been, it's been kind of fun. I, I, I'll give you a funny story. Uh, just to kind of show out how naive I am. When I shot that, uh, that, that Cape Buffalo, um, you know, I'm used to, you know, I grew up in Florida, you know, we live out in the swamp. So I'm used to being in this swampy area. So we're in a swamp and we had to, uh, you know, we, we, of course you, you butcher the animal right there and right. We, we had to get it across a little tiny river. And to get, to get it across the river, we had to walk about about a half mile down to a crossing where there was a land bridge to get across, and then come back by vehicle up the other side, another half mile back up. And we took ropes, we threw the ropes over the river, tied the meat off, and we pulled it across. So we pulled all this across, and we had all this piled up in a big pile, all the meat and everything. And
2: um, so... So wait, you didn't just leave the meat? You know, the meat was right there, so I, I stayed. No, no, no. Meat. What I'm saying is, when you shot the animal, it's not oh, like I, you just cut its head off and left no, the meat no, in no. the field.
1: Every bit of that was taken. Okay. There is not one thing left—tripe, you know, the intestines, the stomach. Just, just full context for people that may not yes, be. We don't know. It, it, every piece, there's not one thing was left over there. Mm-hmm. So we got it all pulled across. So it took us a while to get it all pulled across the river to their side. So the, uh, the one of the guides took the truck back down to the land bridge to get to all the uh, all the, the, the trackers, the skinners and everything up, they would walk down to land bridge so they could cross over to get in the truck. So I said, I just hang out here with the animal and just chill out. And that was by the, first, you know, I, I learned a valuable lesson. This isn't Florida. This is Africa. <laughs> so as I'm sitting there with this animal, just trying to chilling out, I have no gun, no nothing. And it's getting dark. And I hear this crunch, 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 crunch to the bushes. I'm like, Oh, what the heck is that? I whip my flashlight on there's an eyeball this big looking back at me. Really? I'm like, oh no, this isn't pretty. <laughs> because I'm here by myself. I have nothing. And it, the truck's down the way. So I waited a few more minutes, clicked the light bulb back on, and it's a dang big bull hippo <laughs> coming really? right at me. I was like, oh, I run <laughs> right in the middle of the you know, savannah, hitting, you know, elephant holes, tripping, falling, flipping back up, getting back up. I was like, so I ran like I mean, I ran a quarter of a mile for the. I saw the truck, and I finally hopped in there. Like, what the heck, are you running for? I was like, get me in this truck. Like, so we drove back to where the animal was, and that damn hippo was sitting right on top of it. It finally ran off, but I mean, my gosh, I wasn't you know, I wasn't ready for all this. This is like new, mm-hmm. you, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I learned some valuable lessons real quickly that you know, this isn't Florida. It. it isn't you know, this isn't Kansas anymore. <laughs> so. It, uh, it, it just – I fell in love with the country, mm-hmm. the continent itself, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I figured I'm, I'm I'm 56 years old and I'll keep on telling these guys, you know, Trevor and, you know, Sterling and all these other guys. I said, you know, I got about 10 good years left of actually being able to pull a, a good hard bow back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so
2: I want to take advantage every minute of it. and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going every year until then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to finish this podcast out, if someone is listening to this – Yep. And they're like, man, I want to go to Africa, but I just – I can't – something's stopping me. What would you say to that individual?
1: You know, um, sometimes you don't need a plan. Sometimes you just got to say, what the fuck? I'm going. I hope you go out of cuss on this thing. You <laughs> can now. There you go. So yeah, you know, I've always – I think sometimes, again, it was very helpful for me to have people who had already gone before. And I did a lot of research and I and, and what intrigued me is that I heard about South South Africa and I knew about, I didn't know, again, being so maybe I don't know anything. So I don't know. I didn't realize a lot of these are ranches and there's, and there's some different scenarios, which I really wasn't keen on. I wanted the real African experience, which was spot and stock, where you go out there and you have to sneak up on these animals. There's no, there's, you know, no water. I mean, you know, sometimes you go to the water hole looking for them. But the whole idea is to go out there, see an animal, and try to get close enough to it with a bow and arrow and shoot it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's like, um, I know this, like I could say it's like the probably one of the toughest challenges you'll ever do.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So, and again, it's for someone who's not sure about it, you just got to do it, man. I mean, just find it. The best thing is to try to find a good outfitter. And I, I was blessed, blessed to meet Russell Delahart and backcountry Africa. And, um, because he's so knowledgeable, uh, so friendly, and just a super guy. And mm-hmm. it really made my life, I mean, so easy. I mean, so, you know, I, I, hopefully after being with him for 10, 10 days on the last trip, we got to be somewhat kind of friends.
2: <laughs> he might tell you definitely, but... Uh, no, no. we Russell is, is, is salt of the earth, and you're right. His his operation is, is first class, yeah. especially the hunting. You know, you're not... He, that's what he is good at spot and stalk archery hunting in africa and if that's something you're interested in and you're listening to this podcast reach out to us dm us we can put you in contact with russell and um awesome so when is botswana
1: botswana is going to be last week of september first week
2: of october with russell
1: with russell yeah. very nice he's my man i can't i don't think i can go again without him there we uh, go but we're going to go do it in uh, probably about ten days, and uh, you know, I hope to keep on popping around different places over there and just trying them out. Fantastic! And see what I can get.
2: Fantastic. Well, Owen, it's a pleasure, pleasure getting to know you, and um, thank you for the kind words about what we do with Blood Origins.
1: Robbie, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, and uh, hopefully, I was able to help people understand uh, hunting is a is a great thing. Uh, I hope to bring it to my kids and my kids' kids. And, uh, and I, I it's something that should never go away. It's something that we, you know, as, as, a, as a nation, I
2: think it's something that's important. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Owen. Or should I call you OB now? Call, I'll let you call me OB now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Robbie. Cheers, mate. Thank, cheers, man. Thank you, sir.
2: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always.